Attended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Battleborn Phantom. Welcome to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I just wanted to let you know there are some audio uh, technical difficulties in this episode, so just don't mind that. Thanks. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insamo, joined by my co-hosts, Nick Volacci and Bryson Poza. We are finally here to talk some real-life baseball live action after the lockout. Guys, how are you feeling that spring training is underway right now and we are so close to opening day? Uh, man, it is great. Blue Jay baseball is back in full swing. You know, everyone around the league, we get to take a look at everybody this early. Uh, you know, a couple surprises so far, a couple disappointments, but that's, you know, that's all in good fun in spring training. I think we're seeing that we're going to have a very, very uh, exciting year ahead of us. Yeah, uh, Josh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, spring training is finally underway after a almost a lockout lasting about 100 days. And I think the thing that is the most beneficial to, I guess, all of baseball fans in terms of watching is that this spring training in particular is actually half of a regular spring training. So instead of the usual six weeks, we get a modified three weeks. And then after that, we're about two weeks away from opening day at Rogers Center on April 8th. So it's really exciting times here in this Blue Jays team. The expectations continue to rise, especially after the last time uh, we recorded about a few weeks ago. Yes, the Jays have not only made one trade, they've actually gone out and made two major deals. But first, let's go to the big one, as the Jays have acquired third baseman Matt Chapman from the Oakland Athletics for Kevin Smith, Gunnar Hoagland, Zach Loge, and Kirby Sneed. Guys, Chapman's a guy that we were speaking about all offseason and lockout long. Uh, you know, he's a fantastic defender. He had a 3.5 war last year with a 2.10 average, 27 home runs, a 403 slugging, and a 6 OPS. He certainly has pop in this bat. Uh, is there potential here for 40 home runs? Bryce, I know you want to speak about that as uh, we kind of talked about this off the record, but are you excited about this move, guys? I am very excited with this move, Josh. Yeah, 40 home runs, I think, at Rogers Center playing 81 games at the Dome. Uh, you can't rule that out after uh, pretty much at all this year, I think. Coming over from the AL, how big of a park that uh, Oakland Coliseum is, and we all know how run down it is. Pretty much everything about that ballpark screams foul territory and, you know, just pitchers friendly uh, all around. So that's why I'm pretty excited about that. And coming into this year, coming out, I guess, post-lockout, this was an issue that remained um pretty much remained after the lockout ended and that was they still have not replaced marcus simeon in the infield that was pretty much mulling over this team still if you don't do that you're still stuck in a scenario where possibly Kevin biggio and santiago espinal are starting at the same time that's less than ideal after coming off of a year with marcus simeon on your team so the jays go out and get matt chapman their infielder he was one out of many names i guess that was available on the market and uh, we kind of discussed this a couple of weeks ago when we did our pitchers uh, I guess preview or kind of targets for the Jays. And we were kind of all expecting if they did get Matt Chapman, we would assume it would come along with another arm uh, like Sean Manaya, but that wasn't the case here and get Matt Chapman. And of course they give up those prospects and those minor leagues, like you mentioned, Josh, 
I don't have an issue with the trade at all. Of course, one of the main pieces in this is Gunnar Hoagland's going back to Oakland. He was pretty much their first round pick last year. And I guess that's the only really big piece you miss out on here in terms of prospects. And the problem with uh, Gunnar Hoagland, based off what you've seen from his scouting reports, is that he isn't exactly, as much as this stuff is there and it's good, he's pretty much projected to be a mid-level rotation kind of guy. And then when you look at the rotation you have now, that has a lot of control for the next couple of years. It was a move that the Jays were pretty much comfortable with making. And of course, another big name in this move who we got to know a few for a few games last year or kind of a stretch of a couple of weeks was Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith is a guy who is pretty much major league ready, but unfortunately in this infield, he wasn't going to get the playing time or he wasn't going to get that opportunity. So he's going to go to Oakland and he's going to have the chance to play almost every day as much as that team is going to be an absolute disaster this year. So that's the only, I guess, downfall for that, but good for Kevin Smith for getting the opportunity. And of course you have a couple other throw-ins in there, but getting Matt Chapman, this was 100% worth it for the Jays. You need that infielder. We know that what he brings defensively, we know offensively, he also is very good uh, for his production. So this is something that is really good for that infield and pretty much filling the void for Marcus Simeon. Of course, he's not Marcus Simeon in terms of offense, but in terms of fielding, he's up there and he's one of the best defensive uh, third baseman in the league. We all, know, we all know he's a gold glove winner. He's a platinum glove winner and pretty much defensive war, all those numbers. He's at, he's at the top of the American League. He's at the top of the entire uh, league in, in particular. So that's why I'm really covered in the next couple of years of arbitration. They signed him to an extension a couple of days ago worth $25 million. So you have him under club control for the next couple of years. He's going to be a main staple in this lineup. He's going to hit around the middle of the order. He's going to be hitting behind guys like Vladdy, Teoscar, maybe Lourdes Gurriel at some points of the, the schedule. So that's what's really exciting to me that he's going to fit in the middle of this lineup. And it just seems what we've seen, I guess, so far in his first few games of spring training, because we haven't gotten a whole lot of him just yet, but he looks pretty comfortable. I mean, his first uh, game as a Blue Jay a couple of days ago, he went deep and he crushed that ball. And we, he's, he's already made a couple of good defensive plays at third base. So that's what I'm really excited to see happen this year. What a fit for this team. The Jays get that infielder that they were looking for. And I'm really glad that he's a Blue Jay for the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, the trade, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, they really capitalized on that. And, uh, you know, Chapman's a guy, like you said, we talked about him a lot on the podcast prior. Uh, when this move struck, I was actually surprised for how low they got him for. Like, I really thought there might have been a better prospect involved. We all know Kevin Smith and what he's done in the minor leagues, and that was highly talked about around the MLB itself. But this was still a pretty good return for the Jays, given what they gave up. And, you know, Chapman, like you said, is a guy that's going to be in. Uh, he brings you, you know, that floor on defense that we know he's going to be able to contribute to a team that has. But his bat is what I think is the most underrated piece of his play. Actually, you know, I saw on Twitter, Posey, you brought this out to my attention, actually, by Steve Simmons saying, uh, you know, what did he say again? He's a Randall Grichik type hitter. That was by far a common Steve Simmons L. It reminds <laughs> me of some of the takes that Mike has on the Battleborn Reds podcast or even about the Maple Leafs. That was brutal. Yeah, like I was like a Randall Grichik type hitter on offense. That is awful. You know, this guy, he's so fun to watch, like I said, on the defensive side of things. But I think he has something here offensively as well. And Posey, you touched up about that. The 40 home runs, I agree. I don't think that's out of question. You know, he's in a hitter-friendly ballpark now. Uh, we've seen what Roger Center can do 
two certain hitters, Hint Hint, Simeon, and uh, the other third baseman they got from Oakland a while ago, who uh, also won an MVP award for this Toronto Blue Jays franchise. So I'm really excited for that move, to be honest. And I think that move is extremely underrated and credit to the Blue Jays management for top notch third baseman for really what did they give up that like really you know I like Hoagland a lot but like you said mid rotation projections Kevin Smith wasn't going to play here you know Logan all that like that was a steal in my opinion Bryson am I wrong I think it was a steal and we all know the track record here of the Toronto Blue Jays trading for third baseman. I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen, obviously, the acquisition of Marcus Simeon as well last year. So the Jays dealing with Oakland or kind of getting guys from Oakland, it's a pretty good track record of what they have. And it's kind of a similar deal when you think about it because when the Jays got Josh Donaldson in 2015, it was, an also, it was pretty much the same idea where it was one player coming to Toronto and then you give up four guys going the other way. So a lot of similarities here. I'm obviously not going to say that he's going to put up an MVP season but I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it just feels big. And when you, when you think about the names that the Jays gave up, they're still okay. I mean, if you look at the infield prospects still, I think the massive part for me that I take away from this is that you still hold on to guys like Gabriel Moreno. You still have Jordan Groshant. You still have Oralvis Martinez. Those guys are still in your system, regardless of eventually if you move a couple more of those guys, or if I guess at any point you move all of them at one point, but Right now, you make that trade, you hold on to those guys, you can save them potentially for a future deal, or you can just hold on to them for the rest of the, or as they continue to develop through the minor leagues. So that's the one takeaway I have from that. And I guess a couple other guys that I haven't really mentioned about it was Kirby Snead, of course, who we saw a few times. I mean, he's another guy who is MLB ready. He just bounced around from Toronto and Buffalo last year. He's probably going to get an opportunity to be in the Oakland A's bullpen full time. And of course, Zach Logue is another guy who, was pretty much behind the depth chart for, I guess, guys ahead of him in this organization. So that's why as much as I think it's a steal, I still think in some way Oakland does benefit from this, but I think it's in a way where the Jays were able to do this without kind of having to second guess themselves or look back on it and kind of hesitate a little bit. They're still in a really good position and they can afford to get rid of guys like these because there is no room for Kevin Smith in this organization. And I mentioned the starting rotation one through five right now, are all under team control for them. In a way, the Jays did get away with a really good deal here. Yeah, you know, they, I'm sorry, they can go. I'll gladly take Matt Chapman for what we gave up. And that's no disrespect to Kevin Smith. You know, I really like what he brought to this organization. You know, we didn't really get to see him at the MLB level, but from what I heard, always a great guy on and off the diamond. And, uh, you know, Snead, is, like you said, he really hasn't got that opportunity of bouncing around. But, you know, I wish them the best. But for this price, I'm doing this 100 out of 100. But we haven't actually got the chance to get Nick's take on this. Nick, man, start talking about Matt Chapman. The Jays land this all-star defender, you know, target for any team in the league. How hyped are you? for Matt Chapman to be wearing the blue and white at Rogers Center this summer. Oh, is it my turn now? You know, I posted one on a nice little rant there. I can't lie. That's a quality, like, 10 out of 10 speech you just gave right there, a little monologue. But he did touch on basically everything that you could touch on. I will take it a step further. Uh, you know, when you mention Matt Chapman, the first thing that comes to mind, as you mentioned, that's the defense. The defense that he provides is – I don't think it's even uh, – 
hyperbole to say that it's game changing, that it's, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it will make a massive impact on the club. I mean, you think about who's beside him. It's Bo Bichette, who, if I'm not mistaken, led the league in errors last season. Now, we know, you know, errors aren't the best way to judge a defender in this day and age of baseball. But, you know, you never want to be near the bottom um, of that, or I assume, I guess, the top in this uh, in this situation. Uh, I will say adding a elite third baseman like Matt Chapman, all it does is take the pressure off of Bo. Now that you know that you have a guy who any ball hit in this vicinity, he is going to not only uh, get to, but he's going to make the play 99 times out of 100, probably more than that even. Uh, that takes a lot of pressure off of a guy like Bo. He can play more and shade up the middle. All of a sudden, it transforms your defense. And, you know, you can not hide, but you can almost negate any negative impact that a player could have on the defensive end. Uh, furthermore, I know we talked about uh, the bat, and I just think, honestly, similar to Simeon, uh, I think he'll only benefit from hitting in this lineup. I mean, if you look at his advanced numbers, he, you know, if there's one thing about Matt Chapman, it's that he doesn't make contact very often, but, you know, when he does, he hits it well. You know, 89th percentile in max exit velocity, so clearly he's shown that he can hit the ball very, very hard. You know, it may not be that often, but he also has a very fantastic chase rate. You know, he's not a guy who's going to get himself out. You know, he has a swing and miss problem, but that can be negated by the fact that he still gets on base at a very decent clip. You know, I think the best thing for him could be per se hitting in front of a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or a guy like Oscar Hernandez, you know, hitting uh, in front of somebody who, you know, pitchers don't want to see with a guy on base. So they have no choice but to attack him. And I mean, as a result, you know, you're only going to see more hittable pitches for Chapman. And clearly he's shown that when he can get a pitch that he can handle, he's going to do some serious damage. So, you know, like we mentioned, no doubt in my mind that he can probably, you know, eclipse that 40 home run mark. Uh, that's definitely within the ballpark that he's capable of. Uh, but I do think we see the average climb as well. I think, you know, playing in Oakland's never good for a, for a person's stats. Uh, it's, it's not kind to power hitters like Matt Chapman. Uh, but, no, playing in the Rogers Center, he should definitely see more hittable pitches. Uh, you're going to see a lot more home runs. And, you know, with that being said, I think we could see the average pushing maybe, I don't know, 250 this season. I don't think that's out of the, uh, you know, out of the possible scenarios. Uh, but, no, you're getting a player on both sides of the ball who, you know, we got for a fantastic rate, as previously mentioned. Uh, Kevin Smith, you know, great guy and all, just no room on the roster, you know. And I think with the current roster you have, you know, you don't need to take, um, you know, you don't really need to worry about these solid, uh, you know, players you can move around the field because, you know, they're always in supply. You can always get a hold of them. There's nobody, you know, Kevin Smith isn't game-changing to the point where he's going to replace a Bilbachet or he's going to replace somebody else in that infield. So you're okay with parting like with a guy like him, you know, Kirby Sneed. He's, you know, he's not really seeing that he'll amount to much, uh, at least not that we know of, you know, everything, anything's possible. Uh, and Gunner, you know, Gunner is your high risk. I would even say, you know, high risk, low reward in terms of no one really sees him as that top arm. And especially coming off Tommy John, the way that he is, uh, you know, you don't really know what he's going to be, right? So turning those guys into, you know, Matt Chapman and a, level of player that he is will only do wonders to the team. Uh, I think with where the Jays are at, with the rotation they have and everything of that sort, uh, they'd much rather uh, benefit from a stable, you know, what they know kind of player rather than, you know, a guy like Gunner, who we don't even know what he's going to look like. And, you know, last time we saw him, he didn't look like anything too special. You know, I, I mean, I hope the best of the guy, you know, we don't, we don't know what he'll become, but regardless, this is a great deal for the Jays and it'll pay dividends in the future. 
Yeah, you know, let's hop to the other trade now. It's a little bit more recent. Uh, the Blue Jays acquire outfielder Raymond Tapia, my boy, and prospect infielder Adrian Finco for outfielder Randall Grichuk and Cash. You know, Raymond lefty bat. That's something everybody's been talking about here in Blue Jays Nation. He's a solid fourth outfield option for sure. Brings really good speed, like really good speed that I don't think we have enough of on this team. He might even be the fastest guy on this team by like a long shot. Uh, one play that always comes to mind is his inside the park homer uh, this last season where, you know, I was like extremely impressed how this guy was able to get across all four base pads uh, that quickly in an MLB game. That was certainly impressive. But, you know, he has a 273 average, six home runs, a 3.72 slugging, and a 699 OPS. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, they got him for Randall Grichik, who, you know, we all know Grichik is that power-hitting right-handed outfielder who, uh, you know, as – we have here in Toronto, he wasn't really needed because he matches a lot of our other outfielders in terms of what they can bring to this roster. And uh, we know his money was also really high. So that was, uh, you know, another task to move him with. But, you know, credit to the Blue Jays management because I think this is another slam dunk of a trade. You know, for Randall Grichik, I'll do that any day. I think he brings something to this team that we've needed for, you know, a pretty good run here now that the team's more competitive than what it was when, uh, you know, Atkins and stuff first took over. But uh, Nick, let's start with you on this one because we want to start off with Matt Chapman with Bryson. Uh, how do you feel about Raymond Tapia now? You know, I can't help but love the deal. You know, uh, as good of a Grichik or as good of a guy as Grichik was, excuse me, uh, you know, he was a phenomenal team. He's, you know, he was respectable. He's just not, he just, there's no fit with this team. You know, the role that we need of him, he really doesn't profile as, you know, that fourth outfielder, backup center fielder kind of player, you know, he doesn't really match that. You know, he doesn't uh, provide a sense of getting on base, uh, not a great defender, not a lot of speed. So you're kind of just looking at another right-handed power bat, you know, as you alluded to earlier. And that's something that there's a surplus of. Um, I think moving him is probably the best, especially on that, uh, that contract that pays him out just over $9 million a year, I believe. Um, and, you know, getting a guy back like Rymel, uh, exceptional speed, exceptional speed. Um, great defender. I mean, uh, he, has, he somewhere hovers between above average and great. I think kind of just depends on where you're playing him as well. Uh, and a left-handed bat, like you mentioned, uh, very important. I like to think he's similar to that Ben Revere kind of player. Not saying he's, you know, on that level. I think offensively he might be, but defensively Ben Revere, you know, was uh, – one that was, you know, one of the premier defenders, especially with that speed that he had. But regardless, I think that, you know, what Rymel does well, we don't have in this lineup, you know. And the fact that he's a lefty, it profiles very well. I think you'll see him play more center field. I know he didn't do much of it in Colorado. I think that's kind of what they're ideally looking for because, uh, as we mentioned before, it's been pretty clear that uh, they want Springer to take over uh, in center field – or, sorry, in DHing uh, in the lineup. Uh, that's kind of what they want to do to keep him healthy so that they can have him for a full season uh, because a full season of Springer is, you know, something you look forward to. Uh, but no, other than that, you know, he does a lot of things well. His, funny enough, looking at his uh, advanced metrics, he's almost the exact opposite of Matt Chapman. Uh, Matt Chapman's a guy who, you know, whiff rate's not great. You know, he'll swing through a lot of pitches, but he hits balls hard. You know, Rymel Toppy, on the other hand, you know, barrel percentage is down. 
average exit, velo- uh, exit velocity is down, hard hit percentage is down. So he's almost the exact opposite hitter. But, you know, in his own right, he's able to contribute and, you know, make winning plays. And I think you need that, especially if this is a team that wants to make it, uh, you know, deep into the postseason. Well, sometimes those games are won by guys like Tapia rather than a guy like uh, Matt Chapman. You know, so overall, I think it was a great deal. They got a player that, you know, suits a need of theirs. Uh, and on top of that, you got, uh, you know, a prospect that, you know, he's, he's a ways away, but he offers a very intriguing upside that, you know, never know what he could become. Yeah, Bryson, let's head over to you now. Speed kills. Ray Tapia is certainly going to be a weapon here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this is a guy that can single-handedly win you extra innings alone uh, just with his speed and what he brings to this team. And with the power hitters we got here and now a guy that, you know, can run well, can get on base, I guess, at a fair rate. Uh, this looks like a piece that the Jays have been missing for a couple of years now. Bryson, how do you feel about this acquisition? Yeah, there's a lot, I think, uh, that happened with this deal. A lot more than I thought. First of all, when it happened, I was pretty pretty surprised with the outcome of pretty much everything that – just the events that occurred. And, yeah, I mean, as much as Randall Gritchick was pretty much um, likely going to be on the move, this was a guy that the Jays have been known to, I guess, try and move. I don't know how aggressive they were in that, but it was something that they were looking into for the past couple of years. And it was actually reported that prior to the lockout in November, almost kind of at – uh, a stage of the winter meetings the Jays actually discussed this trade with the Rockies and uh, they revisited it right after so it was something that they were looking at before uh, the lockout and it just shows that this was something that they were looking at for a long time and yes I do agree with a lot with what said I just think that as much as you can make the case that Randall Gritchick could be better in certain areas especially I guess in the power in terms of his uh, his hitting for me, it's about the fit and it's about the role. And that's what you guys touched on. I think this was a fourth outfielder that the Jays are needing and missing. We know the way he hits. And of course, we know what else he brings on the base pass. He stole 20 bases last year. So this is something that, of course, the Jays are going to benefit from having in the in the outfield as a fourth outfielder. This is a guy that's going to come on the base probably during the games, uh, later on in the games and steal bases. And uh, what, what you were mentioning too, uh, Nick, I completely agree with you. It's something that they've been missing. We've known guys like this in the past. You guys mentioned uh, Ben Revere. I'll even mention Dalton Pompey. Even before the 2015 days, you had guys like Rajay Davis, like kind of guys like that that the Jays have been missing in particular for the past couple of years who can be speeding on the bases and bring that type of presence to your lineup. And as much as um, he is the opposite, like you were mentioning, Nick, about how in terms of the chase rate and all that, there is a lot of things about uh, Tapia's game where, of course, are weaknesses. And, of course, that comes with the power pretty much showing his slugging percentage in particular. I believe last year was about below 400. But the one thing that he does do better than Randall Gritchick, that is get on base. I mean, his on-base percentage last year, I think you guys touched on it too, about 327. So he, he's a lot of um, a singles hitter. He can get on base. He, he's a tough at-bat. You guys were mentioning about that. The other thing about this, as much as he chases a lot – He's actually really hard to strike out. He's in the 96th percentile in terms of strikeouts. So he's going to chase a lot, but it's going to be very hard to strike him out. That's another thing that Randall Gritchick did a lot more than him. So there's a lot of, I guess, good points about this. There's a couple question marks. And I still look at this in a way where there is still a possibility that this trade it doesn't exactly work out. And I don't think it's, it's likely to happen, but I think you got to kind of have the door open for it a bit. And this is exactly from what you touched on, Nick. It's George Springer. This is the one thing that I think has been set in stone. It's become quite obvious to all of us. 
George Springer needs to be healthy this year because if he's not healthy, it's going to be trouble uh, because of what they have. Grandel Gritchick is a guy, of course, who doesn't necessarily want a, to be a fourth outfielder. It's something that he never really was keen on doing. And of course, when Springer came back last year, it's something that he wasn't exactly getting, you know, he just wasn't taking it in properly or taking it in in a good way in terms of him kind of losing playing time down the stretch. So he's going to get an opportunity to be an everyday player in Colorado. We mentioned Coors Field. We know how numbers inflate over there. He's a guy that can easily hit 30 home runs, in my opinion, next year with the Rockies. So as much as Randall Gritchick, of course, had his flaws here in Toronto as well, you can't help but, I guess, give him praise and pretty much respect the work he did here, pretty much going back to the days before, of course, the Vladdy era and all that. He was here through the dog days and the dark days of this organization. He was a guy that signed an extension here during the 2019 season. So as much as the Jays had nobody else at that time, I thought he did really well by filling his void and playing in the outfield a lot every day. So it's a win-win, I think. I think it's really – I really think the fit for Toppy is a lot better over here. The one thing about Tapia's game this year that I think we'll we'll see more of compared to last year is that he won't be playing, barring any injuries. I don't expect him to play 130 games like he did last year with the Rockies. I expect him to play a lot less than that. So hopefully he still maintains the numbers he put up last year because what he did last year is exactly what this team needs, of course. And that's nothing else. He, he knows his role. The fit on this team is perfect. A fourth outfielder, a guy that's going to come off the bench late in games and steal bases. I really like the idea. I really like the move as much as there's some flaws with his game, but you can say that about everybody in Nipek at uh, different, I guess, areas of everyone's game, but he does get on base and he's a really tough at bat. I'm a really big fan of this move and I'm glad the Jays kind of did this as well. You look at Randall Gritchick too, the, the nine and a half million dollars he's owned for the next couple of years. The Jays are pretty much getting rid of about half of that. And a lot of questions come too: is what comes next? Are they lining themselves up for something else? Uh, I don't know if necessarily if they're going to add anything else prior to opening day. They may be done now. However, I do think them doing this does open up the door if, if for an even further possible move down the line and throughout the year. I really do think that this puts them in a lot better of a uh, position uh, throughout the year this year. Yeah, so I think we all agree. Great job by Blue Jays management here with both of these transactions. Um, you know, we're getting down to the end of this episode here let's just run through spring training quickly i'm gonna give you guys three different topics let's try and get through these quick as uh you know like we'll start this as our new little segment moving forward as we uh like are we we're in this weird transition of a shortened uh spring training and you know only about two weeks away from opening day so let's start this new little segment so let's start off with bryson i'll start with you this rotation so far through the first couple games here in Dunedin, you know, it's not the end of the world. It is only spring training. They're exhibition games. You know, Grapefruit League Baseball means absolutely nothing. But the rotation seems to be getting hit pretty well in these games. And obviously, they're limiting their pitches. But, you know, Barrios gives up six earned uh, against the Phillies. We saw what happened to Ryu yesterday. Uh, today, Kevin Gosman, you know, he didn't get an actual game action. He did do an interest squad game at the Blue Jays facility. Uh, let me pull up the exact numbers on that. Yeah, he uh, went he, about four innings. Uh, he struck out four. I think he allowed a couple earned runs, but I believe his stuff was really good from what we heard. He was really sharp uh, through that. Of course, the splitter, we all know how that's his primary pitch. I believe that was also on point today. So 
disappointing that we didn't get to see him yesterday or a couple days ago in the rainout, but just to kind of help you there with the numbers, uh, it was about four innings today against the uh, Yankees minor leaguers. Yeah, four innings, 56 pitches, 36 strikes, three hits, zero walks, one home run, and four Ks. Tell me, with the rotation, you know, there's a lot of buzz all over social media about, you know, how this is, you know, a cause for concern. I don't really think so. What about you? Go first. Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, uh, sorry, I caught myself on mute there for a second. Uh, yeah, no, honestly, I will say I'm not concerned. I don't put much stock into established players' spring trainings. Uh, you know, a lot of this could just be knocking the rust off um, or whatever it may be. I'm not concerned. I think moving forward, this rotation is going to be excellent. Uh, you know, 162-game season, so obviously you're going to see, you know, what the players normally like. Uh, rather than just, you know, one random start. I don't put much stock into Barrios' start or, you know, anybody's for that matter. Uh, I think once the season rolls around, they'll all be well into game form and we should see, you know, a whole different side of them. Yeah, I'm not concerned with this rotation at all either. I know there's been a couple of shaky outings, I guess, for, in particular, you mentioned on it, uh, Nick, about betting like, oh my God, Barrios is going to suck, all of that stuff. I don't know why people make a big deal out of spring training. It's never really, I guess, understood me in any sort of way. I don't understand that at all. Of course, it's going to take him a little bit to get going, and I think he said it too. When the lights come on, he's going to be ready to go. I'm not concerned about it at all. I guess Hunjin Ryu was another highlight of this rotation, uh, pretty much to see if he was going to bounce back after last year. This first inning today, of course, it was a little shaky, but other than that, I thought he settled, settled in right after. We still haven't seen Kevin Gosman in an actual Grapefruit League game. Alec Manoa has pitched once, and um, that's pretty much all we've seen so far. So overall, not overly concerned. I'm pretty, I guess, satisfied with where things sit. The rotation we know has been something that the front office has finally invested in for the long term. And I've really pretty much focused my things on other aspects of the team. And, you know, very different compared to previous years. Even when you want to look at the rotation from last year, this rotation is now set one through five. The other guy was missed. Uh, was missing was Kikuchi. I thought his stuff looked really good too. View a couple days ago. So, and it's going to be that fifth starter who's other areas of the infield and, you know, and pretty much showing or spreading out the interest elsewhere. And I think the main topic this year has been who's going to be that left-handed at bat that makes the team, of course, top you we touched on. There's somebody else potentially that could crack the roster. I'll give a shout out to Mike, who's on the Battleborn Reds podcast, who actually texted me a couple days ago wondering, what are the legitimate chances of Greg Bird making this team? That's pretty much what I focused on, of course. And um, of course, and the, the other thing too, the one last thing I'll, uh, before I hand it back over to you guys, Orelvis Martinez has been a highlight to watch. I mean, his power has been through the roof. He's really good. And uh, the Jays are really excited about his power. I hope it's somebody that they can avoid trading. I just want to pretty much leave that at that. And of course, the usuals like Vladdy and Bo, it's all good to see that. So just previous years, not exactly focused on the This year, really excited because it's pretty much set and you got other areas to focus on. Yeah. All right. Last little thing here. Espinal, you know, I have a little bit of a bias with him. You guys know that. Um, he looks like he had a really good off season, a lot more, uh, I guess, I guess he shows a lot more power 
obviously this is spring training, so take it with a grain of salt, but you and I have talked about this. Do you see the promise in Espinon? It looks like he's really fighting for the Blue Jays every day here. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I think so. Honestly, man, uh, I was impressed with him last season. You know, the way he took over third base and managed that, I thought that was exceptional. Uh, obviously, he didn't have much power. I think he launched maybe two home runs last year, if that. Um, but no, he looks like a whole different animal right now. I mean, he's doubled in size, I mean, pretty much. Uh, and no, it looks like he really wants that spot. And I think that's only going to be good for the team because if he, even if he's not the starter, he'll push a guy like Biggio, you know, to bring the best out of him. And that's what you need within a, within a team. It's good to compete within your organization uh, and it, you know, brings out the best in each other. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, I should see regular playing time, I'd assume, uh, in terms of, you know, maybe a platoon situation with him and Biggio, depending on what kind of arm pitchers on the mound. So, you know, he'll get his at-bats. And if he can translate any of this early power that we're seeing over, I think it'll pay, like, you know, it'll be amazing for the team. It'll be a great addition, considering that he's already a plus defender, which is a great help. And if he can add some power to the bottom of the order after last season, he was able to get on base at a decent clip. You know, you might be having something special uh, down there. What about you, Bryson? What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think pretty much the plan I had last year going into this year was envisioning a, plat- a platoon with Espinal and Bijou at second base, barring any other move. I think it's a really good position to start the year there. They can split time potentially, maybe splitting, you know, Espinal facing lefties more, Bijou facing righties more, pretty much riding the hotter hand. Sure, pretty much of how good. Uh, he looked, and of course, you mentioned it, Josh. He had a really good offseason. He bulked up. I think he said he gained about 10 pounds. He looks really good physically. So that's exciting to see as well. We all know how good of a fielder he is. I really like how he's going to be a platoon player, and I think that's what makes him the best. But, you know, other than him trying to do too much or being in that lineup every single day, I think it's something that gives the Jays a lot of options and flexibility to platoon them at second base. And uh, Espinal, of course, point the other thing we have to take note of is that the rosters for april will be expanding to 28 you're going to get those extra two spots where you maybe th- roll with three catchers and extra reliever so espinal in particular i think is set and safe and him this year pl- uh, platooning with Biggio at second base it's really exciting to see at second base for sure all right i think that leads us to the end of this episode as we wrap up this little spring training segment Uh, The Blue Jays are staying busy in Dunedin. That is for sure. Two awesome trades. Uh, You know, there's some game action going on. I'm sure you can catch them on Sportsnet if you haven't already. Uh, Any last words from you guys, folks, uh, before we end this episode? Uh, All good here. Just excited for the season. How about you, Bryson? I'll just say before we make any other comparisons to teams like the Red Sox, uh, about the infield this team has the best infield in the AL least I'll leave it at that agreed <laughs> all right thank you guys for listening go Jays go check out the other social media platforms for more information and coverage on your favorite team in major league baseball as we gear up for a very exciting season in front of us that's all from us folks here at the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast thank you for listening and good night
Train. 